Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Welcome back to the Overnight Crowd. Paul Heath in the studio with you this Wednesday night, headed into Thursday morning around the SEN network in Australia, New Zealand, and around the world on the SEN app. I would love to hear from you on the Overnight Crowd text line, 0433 But uh, in the first Ashes test from the Gabba today, we didn't have to wait too long for some action with Mitch Stark doing this on the first ball of the day. The Ashes summer of 21-22 gets underway. As Stark roars in and bowls to Burns, he bowled in first ball! Mitch Stark serves notice! And Ashes can be defined by the first delivery! And Stark has bowled Burns on the leg stump around his pads. That's the anti-Steve Harmison ball. That's the complete opposite... Yes, it was on leg stump, but it was always going to swing and burns. I reckon that's the last possible ball he pictured he would receive. First ball, day one of the Ashes at the Gabba. To talk all of that action from the first day of the Ashes Test Series, uh, Australia and England getting into their work this morning from the Gabba. We're joined by Mitch Keating, Zero Digital Sports Editor, joins us on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Mitch. Eddie, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for the time once again. It's uh, been such a big day today, hasn't it, with the first Ashes Test getting underway. A lot to get into from uh, not even a full day's play, but we didn't have to wait long for some action, did we? Mitch Stark breaking through with that first ball. Yeah, well, starts don't get much better than that. And for, for Mitch to kind of lead the charge uh, with the first ball and claiming Rory Burns' uh, leg stump, <laughs> um, just, just the summer that we wanted to get straight into and the critics that Stark's had, I guess. Over the course of the past two or so weeks, um, he really put them to to um, put put those, I guess, uh, critics to, to sleep early with the first ball, and um, you know the Aussies just kept rolling on from there with Hazelwood um, quickly doing further damage, and then Cummins claiming five by the end of the day. So um, yeah, like I said, those starts like that don't don't come around too often, but. <laughs> Um, always good to see them on the first day of the Ashes. I'm glad you mentioned those critics as well because uh, Shane Warne decided to go around the block a few more times to not say anything positive about Mitch Stark. It's just getting a little bit much now, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's, he's always been one to double down a bit and it's yeah. kind of it can be quite hard to see when, when um, you know, we're pro- trying to put a, a program together to, to show, you know, our best and brightest um, cricket analysts. And, and Warne's, yeah, he's... He's sticking to his word, so you can give him that. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I think he's, he's probably getting a bit red-faced at the moment with with how well Stark um, was able to to kind of hush his hush his thoughts early. But um, you know, it's, it's a long summer ahead, so if Mitch is still able to you know keep collecting wickets um, throughout you know this week and then uh, across the next four tests, then you know you'll certainly have um, I think an apology coming his way from Warney. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Mitch Stark's name's Mitch, your name's Mitch, so he's already brethren to you. Uh, how did you find his efforts today, claiming two for 35 off those 12 overs? Yeah, I think um, 
we saw we saw plenty from Pat Cummins in, in his captaincy. I'll, I'll, we'll get to his bowling eventually, but um, you know what we do see from Stark sometimes he probably does go an over too far. Um, you know, these, overall, um, you know, like we said, the, the wicket to kick off the day was fantastic, but we do still have to take that dive into into his um, day further on. What after that still went for another wicket and like I said, 35 runs from 12 overs. So not, not a bad rate um, overall for, for the rest of the day. I think he got Butler with another peach as well at the yeah. end. So two really good deliveries highlighted his day. Um, but as mentioned, there's so much time left um, that, that, we, that we really want to see from Stark um, because between him, Hazelwood and Cummins, the pressure's certainly still on him to, to retain his place in the tail um, with Jai Richardson kind of waiting in the wings. The skipper, Pat Cummins, must have really liked wearing that blazer, taking five for 38 and wrapping up the innings for 147. He was devastating across a few spells, the number one test bowler in the world, wasn't he? Yeah, well, exactly right. He's, he's, he's certainly earning that throne, um, and he's certainly uh, yeah wearing that blazer with um, with the way an English, uh, sorry, an Australian captain should, but we haven't seen a bowler do so in some time. But um, just like Stark, he's kind of putting a line through each and every critic that, that thinks a bowler can't be captain. And we mentioned last week how it was going to go down. Um, you know, like I said, there probably still was, uh, there probably still were a few instances where maybe Hazelwood and Stark went for an over too long um, throughout the day and probably didn't have that, that rotation, but that'll all be part of the learning curve um, for Paddy. But five wickets on your first day as captain on the first day of the Ashes summer, um, it, yeah, it doesn't really write itself too often, that kind of script. So um, he's done fantastically well and, Hopefully it's a sign of what's to come. Josh Hazelwood, his usual nagging and unrelenting self, grabbing two for 42. He's just starting to warm up for the summer, I think, though. Absolutely. Uh, we saw what, what he what he could do um, this time last year, and I think he probably flew a bit under when we would... I think a lot of people were previewing the summer, especially with you know everything that was kind of gaining the headlines um, in the week before today. So I think... He's always one that kind of does fly under that radar. Another two for today, um, you know, another 13 overs. So between him, Cummins and Stark, they were really able to share that sugar around. And um, yeah, it was just really great to see, I think, from him that he might be able to set up another strong summer. And how good to see Cameron Green grab his first test pole as well. He adds so much to the team if he can just jag a few like that on the regular. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was absolutely wrapped for him. He's For the summer he had last year with ball in hand, it would have been very tough, especially in a, in a debut series. And to um, you know, not only retain his place, and I think obviously a lot of focus will be with that in hand. But um, yeah, to finally claim that that maiden wicket will be um, a memory he'll he'll um, have forever. And, and obviously, a lot of credit to Josh Hazelwood. Yeah, ripping catch. catch. I think yeah. a lot of people went straight to Cam, but um, I think Hazelwood yeah certainly would have got a few pats on the back for for that effort. Yeah, definitely owed a couple of beers for a uh, pluck like that. Uh, for the English, a bit of resistance from Haseeb Hamid, Ollie Pope and Joss Butler. But uh, other than that, not a lot going on. How did you see their innings as a team? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting looking just, just through, um, I guess, the order throughout the day and, and the end result and even seeing, I think it was it 60 or so, or 50 or 60 runs between Pope and Butler and they certainly managed to amass yeah, 147. Uh, Hamid... Looked solid. You know, he was always going to be a bit shaky here and there, especially with the tack and the wicket um, that he was facing. And especially when you've got Burns, Milan and Root all falling for a total of six around him to, mm-hmm. uh, to start the day. So um, he kept his, his cool for um, as long as he could, I guess. But um, yeah, at some point his, his skittle was knocked over. But um, Pope, another one that showing promise, lost his wicket poorly once again um, with that shot up to Hazelwood off green, as we mentioned. And then, um, Butler, like was that third one you mentioned, and mm. and an absolute peach from Stark. Great to see Kerry um, in the gloves as well. He took a couple of catches for the day, but 
Um, some concerning signs, obviously, Brute with the duck um, is, is one that, that he'll look to move on quite quickly. Given the year he's had, wouldn't be surprised to see him bounce back. But as the, as the captain, he really has to make a statement in the next innings. The rain took over uh, towards the end of the day and we didn't get a chance to see the Aussies with the blade in hand. Uh, what was your reaction to both Anderson and Broad being sat for this first test? Yeah, a bit of a, bit of a surprise. I think, you know, if, if you sit one, do you sit the other, or do you sit both? They went for the latter option. Um, David Warner would have been licking his lips when he heard that Broad <laughs> wasn't on the team sheet this morning. So he's, he was quite happy. And I think the rest of the Australian batting order were... Would have been given a big boost of confidence um, with Anderson ruled out. Uh, you know there were some queries about those two and, and how they were going to probably perform straight off the bat into uh, into the first test. And it's going to be a bold strategy, you know, given the wicket that um, some of our bowlers were able to use utilize today. And, and you know, even seeing Joe Root um, decide to bat first have been uh, a couple of questions that the strategy of the strategy that the the Poms are kind of going with at the moment. But um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Um, as mentioned with. With the, the summer that Stark's hoping to have and, and what Hazelwood's ha- hoping to have, um, Anderson and Broad certainly could come back and, and uh, flip the script um, by the second test. Do you feel like the English bowling attack's going to be able to build up enough pressure without Broad and Anderson out there? Like, who gets the wickets, do you think? It's it's kind of funny because you're looking at it. I'm not sure how much Jack Leach is going to be able to do this yeah. test alone. And then you've got the likes of Wood Robinson Wokes as your more primary bowlers, and but I think the man is going to be Ben Stokes. Um, you know, he's been a threat to us before. Um, you know, he's got that killer instinct with ball in hand. When the fact is, he's probably coming in later, and what pressure is going to be on him when he does first um, use the pill is is going to be um, something that the Aussies will also be focusing on. But I think you know, for for our batting order, particularly our top order, they're going to be bolstered with confidence to see um, who they're facing, but um, by no means does that mean it'll be a walk in the park tomorrow. The Big Bash League 11 has been getting into its work across this first round. Uh, We had a couple of blowouts to open up proceedings, but uh, the last couple of games have been a little bit tighter. How have you found the competition so far? Yeah, a slow start, I guess, for Sunday night, particularly for the Melbourne Stars fans. Um, I think for them, they can't afford to be too patient with, um, you know, with where they're at. We always see at the, the tail end of the year that they'll lose the likes of Zampa, Stoinis and, and Maxwell to international duty. So uh, uh, an early hot start is, is definitely going to be needed for them. They'll, I think it looks like they're going to be welcoming back the likes of Stoinis, Joe Burns, Nathan Coulton-Isle um, from injury across the next few games. And as well as that, they'll have Harris Ralph uh, and Andre Russell who have yeah. been uh, signed up. Uh, for for later this this month, so um, it'll be there for them. But they need uh, instant impact from those guys. But from what we saw from the Sixers uh, on Sunday night and tonight, um, there's plenty of promise for them and for where they're heading um, in their title defense. And then and obviously last night we finally got a close game, as you mentioned. The <laughs> Renegades were able to shut out the Strikers. Can Richardson with some great death bowling, and Zahir Khan showing plenty of promise uh, once again um, at, when he's when he's lining up to ball. So. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Renegades go. I'm not sure Finch is playing in the, in the next match. I, I can't remember who the Renegades have uh, coming up for their second game, but there is some doubt over their, their well, I guess, former skipper now, and, and Nick Maddinson's also out, Sean Marsh also out. So Richardson did a fantastic job stepping up, and as did the likes of Sam Harper, Mackenzie Harvey, um, and all these guys who, who we're, we're seeing get, you know, I guess, more exposure with the likes of all the Australian A and Australian mm. squad members currently um, away from Big Bash duties. So we're getting some, I guess, less familiar names uh, on the big stage, which has been really good to see for the development of Australian cricket. 
Uh, the Sixers getting that win tonight, as we we're talking about, over the Hurricanes by 14 runs. Uh, Moses Unrex looking like he's in some uh, decent form at the moment. Absolutely. Back-to-back 70-odds um, has put him some prime uh, prime placing ahead of the season. Uh, it looks like he's you know, taking a break from the bowling and kind of working on, on his batting a bit more, and it's certainly paid off um, across the first two games. You know, he's such a lethal, um, I guess, outlet for them at about second drop or third drop, wherever he is, that does come in. And then, you know, even around him, you've got the likes of Silk, Christian and Curran further down the order. So um, they've got such a deep batting order, the, the um, Sixers. And when you start with Philippi and, and, and Vince as well, usually going to be in good stead uh, throughout the rest of the innings. This is the overnight crowd on SEN. Paul Heath with you and Mitch Keating from the Zero Digital Sports Stable joins us on the overnight crowd. We've been looking back on the first day of Ashes action between Australia and England and uh, we'll turn our attention to some more cricket and also some NBL and NFL action just after this upcoming break on the overnight crowd. Just before we move off cricket, uh, we'll take a quick look around a couple of the uh, test matches that have wrapped up over the week. Bangladesh got pumped by Pakistan today. Uh, An innings and eight runs was the margin for Pakistan. Uh, Other than Shakib Al Hassan 63 in the second dig. Not much to report on for Bangladesh, unfortunately. No, uh, an embarrassing loss, I think you'd probably have to yeah. say, given where things were at with, with you know, overrates and delays and um, the amount of days that were really chewed up. But for yeah, Pakistan to put up that 300, uh, you know, eventually declare and then have Bangladesh all out for 87 uh, shortly after and then straight back in again for t- tally of 205. It's, it's been a tough kind of Tough run for, for the Bangers, but, um, you know, the, this is one that I think they'll have to reflect on quite deeply if they, they really want to be pressing into that upper bracket um, in the international test cricket. How about uh, Ajaz Patel as well for New Zealand? Uh, only the third time in history to take all 10 wickets in an innings. It was stunning stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think the few questions you didn't get man of the match, it's kind of hard, you know, where, <laughs> where that rule will come into place with uh, a winning or losing side, but... 10 wickets, you can't question, um, you know, the damage he was able to do. Unfortunately, you know, the, the Kiwis couldn't back it up with, with Batnam, but, um, you know, an absolute stellar effort for a, a young emerging cricketer that um, I think, yeah, has a great future. And particularly, um, you know, when they do have that focus on subcontinental cricket, um, he'll be a, a big role player for them in the future. And I uh, just love that bit of respect between Ravi Chandra and Ashwin and also Ajaz Patel having that chat and also passing over a uh, shirt signed by all 11 uh, Indian players in the test match. It was just lovely scenes. Absolutely. Um, you know, two veterans of the game kind of, um, yeah, sharing theirs. And, and then Ashwin, uh, I think something we saw from the Indians last year as well in Australia, um, just kind of that commemorative, uh, I guess, friendship and kind of, you know, lowering those, those war grounds and, and and shaking some hands at the end of the game. So it's always great to see. And um, yeah, between someone like Patel and Ashwin, who have been in the game for a bit, whether one's, you know, kind of led his, his way in spin and, and Patel's, you know, whilst, you know, over the age of 30, still kind of uh, coming into some of, his, uh, some of his games still. So yeah, it was great scenes to see after. We'll move on over to the AFL and uh, over this way in WA, we saw the unfortunate early retirement of Brad Shepard, a, a legendary eagle who deserved a more fitting end to his career, didn't he? Exactly right. I've been a big fan um, of Shepherd's game, particularly uh, since probably that 2015 season when the Eagles had that premiership tilt and, and just fell short. Um, but we mentioned last week there were some concerns over his health and unfortunately, um, yeah, he's, he's had to hang, hang up the boots in an abrupt fashion. Um, I guess some of the uh, harder decisions um, are always probably the right ones um, with, with what he's had to 
deal with in concussion symptoms and, and, and his health for the future. But um, just watching some of the videos from uh, after the decision on West Coast media, it was great to see he was all smiles and, and still able to crack jokes and, yeah. and look on the brighter side of things. But um, like you said, it's a, it's a big loss for the Eagles um, in, in a career that, that was certainly promising plenty more. All Australian selection, unfortunately, missed out on that 2018 Premiership Cup that um, was a key player in, in them uh, reaching that big dance. It's one of those hard comparisons, but it's one that I've seen being thrown around because uh, the Eagles did draft Brad Shepard over Nat Fife in that uh, draft year. But um, how could you compare, or where would you sit on comparing the two if you had a choice between them? You know, you've got the guy who's gone on to team success. You've got the other guy who's had two Brownlow medals, but a team that hasn't been back to the uh, big dance in a little while. Which way would you lean between the two? It's an interesting one. I think, you know... Dockers fans will say one thing, Eagles fans will say the other thing. And Definitely. I think they both have their own right to, to make the argument. That whole 2009 draft is it's certainly a peculiar one with some of the order and, and where certain stars land. You had Dusty at the top, Fife was what, pick 19, and then Gorm was a bit later in the draft. There's ifs and buts in, in, um, in hindsight, but I think both the Eagles and, and the Dockers wouldn't change too much when they, when they got to select uh, Shepard. I think he was, what, pick seven overall and, yep. and still... You know, not a lot of picks in the top 10 usually eventuate into 200-plus game players and servicemen like like, like Shepard. So, um, you know, that rivalry between the Dockers and, and Eagles fans will live on. And in a debate like this, you understand why. But like I said, I think both clubs will be very happy with the careers that, that, that both players um, turned out to have. The door closing for Brad Shepard uh, due to the ongoing concussion issues opens the door on the list for someone else to jump in. Uh, Kay Dittmar, who was pretty unlucky to be overlooked in the draft, is now training with the Eagles as well. Yeah, um, they've got you know a few list spots already to go. The Eagles and, and obviously Shepard's departure opens that up more. Dimmer's an interesting prospect. You know, one of the players that they couldn't quite crack into to the national draft and, and just missed out on a rookie spot. It sounds like so um, certainly stands a, a great chance. It sounds like a couple of the other Waffle Boys um, in, in local talent are also going to be getting a, a spot um, with the Eagles this summer. Tom Joyce, the former um, Brisbane Lion midfielder, and Luke Trinatica, the, the um, ex-Dockers tall. So the Eagles are still looking local as they did in the draft. And it's going to be great to see one, two or three of those guys um, potentially land AFL list spots if the Eagles um, do decide to, to you know, use those at the uh, pre-season supplemental selection period um, or if they even hold off until the um, mid-season rookie draft. News today as well from uh, uh, Kangaroos coach David Noble that he's having to hold back number one draft pick Jason Horn Francis at training. So excitement levels must be rising for Roos fans at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, optimism is really key for clubs, especially coming off, um, you know, the back of a, a wooden spoon season. So um, to hear how Noble was speaking about Horn Francis this morning and, and the confidence that he has in him and um, you know, and, and where and what he's kind of hearing from Hon Francis himself, it just sounds like there's a lot of positive energy down at Arden Street, and and you know, an arrival like someone like him is certainly going to bolster some of that that optimism that we spoke about. So um, yeah, I think you know he's, he's going to be one for the future. Roos fans are keen um, for, the, for the next season to start, which is something that's really promising for a side that has probably looked to forget the last two or three years. Do you get uh, Do you get around the NBA, Minch? Uh, who do you follow if you do? Uh, I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder man, oh, nice. so quite a year, quite a year this year um, for for OKC. But um, you know, when you hold, I think about about 700 picks at the moment yeah. across the next 10 seasons, there is uh, something to look forward to. But uh, at the moment, yeah, kind of just 
uh, treading water, waiting for the next few seasons to pass over, and then hopefully we're uh, we're back up there soon. We've been on uh, Josh Giddy triple double watch here at the overnight crowd, waiting patiently for him to get to the mark, which is just around the corner, no doubt. But how good has he been? He's been sensational. I think you know the the pathway from NBL to NBA is certainly gaining greater attention, and with what Giddy's doing, um, you know, with with OKC and being among the best rookies of the year so far, and even just winning the Rookie of the Month award. Uh, for the Western Conference, he's, he's certainly putting his name up in lights, and with I think the greater exposure he's getting at a at a side like OKC, it's been really good for his development. Working with a player like SGA and and in such a young side that probably doesn't have those high expectations, is giving players um, you know greater confidence to kind of you know do what they want to do. And his playmaking skills have certainly surprised many. And like you said, he's, he's certainly not far away off being a triple double player. Before we let you go, uh, how about the NFL, Mitch? Uh, who do you follow in uh, that league? I'm a Rams man, so it's, it's been a, a funny kind of start and, and I guess last month to our season. Um, signings in particular, Odell Beckham Jr. I'm a big <laughs> fan of, but what he can actually do um, for our Super Bowl prospects is is going to be um, a bit of a question in itself. bit of a better finish, I guess, against the Jags this week, but um, what we've probably seen from from LA across yeah, those past three or four that have kind of been a bit of a letdown and, and a bit of a stumble for the NFC. But um, you know, there's, there's plenty of other sides up on the rise and there's, um, it's, looking, it's looking to shape like a, a really interesting uh, NFL season with uh, just a couple of weeks to go in the, in the regular campaign. Well, talking to the overnight crowd listeners, we've uh, called the last few weeks of results drunk, basically. But uh, this week, we've uh, had you know a bit of a less weird week of results. The Patriots, though, are well and truly staking their claim for the AFC in a Super Bowl run, aren't they? Yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of hard to tip um, who's going which way in the, in the power rankings. <laughs> but Patriots certainly on the up, um, and even a few flagging. The, the idea of seeing them in Tampa Bay playoff deep into the uh, into the playoffs picture is going to be um, would be an ex- exciting prospect given the fact you know, Tom Brady's story against Bill Belichick um, and what the Pats have been able to do under Mac Jones um, in the grill has been really exciting to see with with their f- turning around of such a big club and, and you know where they want to be and uh, how they're always seen as, as Super Bowl contenders um, so a really interesting one to, for the for the Pats across the next few weeks and where they can shape up with um, with three games to go. Fantastic effort, uh, Mitch. Uh, appreciate the time once again, mate. Uh, on the way out, can we get a prediction on first inning score for the Aussies in the morning? Uh, I want to say we go without a wicket uh, until the first break. And I think Ooh. that might happen, but uh, for the total, I think we might be hitting 300 to 350 would be a good good mark for us um, across the next innings. All right, fingers crossed. Uh, lovely stuff. Thanks for the time once again, mate. Uh, we'll keep up with your work across the Zero Digital Sports Stable. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks again, mate. Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Sports. He's an editor and also a writer there across Zero Tackle, Zero Hanger, and also Zero Wicket, their cricket-based content. And Mitch Keating doing some fantastic work there, joining us on the Overnight Crowd. We have got to find out that he's an OKC and also LA Rams fan across the NBA and also NFL League. So uh, that's another one that we can uh, chalk up onto the uh, fandom of the Overnight Crowd here. But uh, what did you think about the day's play of cricket? We'd love to hear from you on the Overnight Crowd. Zero Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. It is the overnight crowd on SEN. Paul Heath joining you. We're still running on a bit of a high from the first day's action of the first Ashes Test. Why don't you let us know what you enjoyed across the first day of action on the overnight crowd? When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. 
chicken and maccas together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.